if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for with us. Seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock as we get started on this Tuesday, the 16th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Coming up in about 30 minutes, we are going to be talking with an attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom about the latest attack and assault on the Constitution of the United States. This time coming not from wild liberal anarchists in the streets, not from radical liberally elected Democrats on Capitol Hill, but from the Supreme Court of the United States. David Cortman from Alliance Defending Freedom will join us at 935 to talk about this, which we will begin in just a moment after I also tell you that at 1010 this morning, it's Tuesday. You know what that means. It must be Kersenow uh, Day. Kersenow is going to talk to us about a host of things, including yesterday's Supreme Court uh, decisions and, uh, of course, about the ongoing discussions regarding race and uh, policing in America. So those two guests, David Cortman of ADS and uh, ADF, rather, and Peter Kersenow will be joining us uh, this morning, and I invite you to join us in and around those conversations. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those will work. I will not promote social media right now. Social media is Satan. Okay. And yes, I dance with the devil. I do. And unfortunately, a lot of us have to, but uh, I will not promote it. Okay. Um, do you remember a time when we were told in this country that elections have consequences. I believe that line actually came from former President Barack Obama, who was telling conservatives to just suck it up and deal with the fact that they were going to socialize medicine and health care in the United States. I believe he was talking about all kinds of things, all kinds of radical, um, essentially constitutionally challenged ideas that he had when he came into uh, into office. He said elections had have consequences. He said this, of course, with respect also to certain selections of Supreme Court justices. You remember that both Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor were appointed to the court by President Barack Obama. And whenever conservatives questioned or criticized some of the decisions made because of their far-reaching impacts on the court, I remember very distinctly Barack Obama and his words being echoed by liberal Democrats, particularly in the media, 
saying elections have consequences. We won, you lost, deal with it. And we said, yeah, (laughs) at the end of the day, they're right. Elections do have consequences. They won, we lost, we have to deal with it. The good news, though, for us, we thought was, well, when we take the White House back, we can attempt to make those elections have consequences as well. And we can perhaps undo some of the damage done by the consequences put forth by the Obama administration. And sure enough, we elected Donald J. Trump in 2016. And we told the far left, elections have consequences. And when the opportunity came for President Trump to appoint new uh, Supreme Court justices, and they flipped their lids over this, over the appointment of Neil Gorsuch, and eventually the second appointment of Brett Kavanaugh, how dare you, they said, particularly in the Kavanaugh case, as they tried everything they could to stop the conservative majority from happening. They tried to stop the conservative majority, saying this is not fair, a swing voter should be replaced by another swing voter, a constitutional, um, not a constitutional originalist, not a far-left judicial activist, but somebody who was in the middle of all of that, a moderate, they said. And they didn't want a Kavanaugh, and they didn't want a Gorsuch, and they did everything they could to stop it. Still, we said, hey, deal with it, libs. Elections have consequences. Come to find out, elections don't have quite the same consequences for the left as they did for the right. Not when we are making the decisions, and by by we I mean our elected official, the President of the United States, when he's making decisions that we come to regret, including the appointment of people like Neil Gorsuch, who just completely savaged the Constitution of the United States of America yesterday. Chief Justice John Roberts, who was appointed by Bush, 43, again a Republican. Elections should have consequences. Chief Justice John Roberts has proven to be anything but a stalwart conservative originalist, allowing the founders and the Constitution itself to make the decisions rather than the prevailing political opinion or trend of the day, which is what the liberal activists do. Come to find out, neither Roberts nor Gorsuch, quite frankly, have that constitutional originalism in mind. Within 35 minutes yesterday, as Daniel Horwitz at Conservative Review tells it, within 35 minutes, what some thought was the most conservative Supreme Court of all time, concocted a fundamental right to transgenderism in the context of labor law, erased the Second Amendment, interfered with a state death penalty case, but declined to interfere with a California law that criminalizes law enforcement cooperation with federal immigration agents. Taken in totality, the conservative legal movement which has promoted the idea of appointing better judges rather than fighting the entire concept of judicial supremacism, has failed miserably. Here's a brief summary by Horowitz of four very important decisions handed down by the court yesterday. The justices denied certiorari, it's hard to say that word, apologies, um, 
to gun rights groups in 10 gun cases where states have denied citizens the right to carry arms under any circumstances. Justice Thomas, a true conservative originalist, dissented in uh, in the case. Um, just to, I'm sorry, I have several notes here. I want to make sure I share all these with you accurately. Justice Thomas dissented in the denial of cert in the New Jersey right to carry case and was joined by Justice Kavanaugh. That's good news. It takes four justices to agree to hear a case. And it's not clear which of the others would also have agreed but didn't sign on to the dissent. Despite the plain meaning of the Constitution, ten years after Heller and with circuit splits, the court refused to act on these ten gun cases. In the U.S. versus California at all, the Supreme Court denied the petition from the Department of Justice to overturn a Ninth Circle of Hell ruling, that's Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling, upholding California's sanctuary law. California prohibits local law enforcement from cooperating with federal law enforcement. How absurd is that? All based on their belief that illegal immigrants have rights in the United States. Only Thomas and Alito would have granted the appeal. Number three, in what has become a growing trend of SCOTUS interference, Supreme Court interference with the few remaining capital punishment cases that we have, the justices uh, remanded a Texas capital case because they believe the accused did not have sufficient counsel. Alito dissented there, joined by Thomas and Gorsuch. And finally, and most importantly, in a 6-3 to opinion written by Justice Gorsuch, Gorsuch and Roberts joining the four far-left activists in robes on the court. Ginsburg, Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor. A Bush appointee and a Trump appointee joined the far-leftists in a 6-3 ruling that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act which passed in 1964 before anybody could even fathom something called transgenderism, applies to transgenderism and sexual orientation. Taken together, these decisions show the court believes there is an inalienable right to transgenderism and illegal immigration, but not to the Second Amendment. The court believes it can tamper with every state criminal and capital conviction on ever-evolving novel grounds, but it somehow believes the state can criminalize foundational federal immigration laws that have been there forever. It's a world upside down. The only true consistent originalist on the court now remains Clarence Thomas. Justice Alito is a step or two behind him, but they're it. The most devastating consequence, of course, was the transgender decriminal, uh, 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 discrimination, rather, case. Bostock versus Clayton County. Daniel Horowitz writes that, writing for the majority, Gorsuch claimed that when the statute uses the term sex, it can now apply sexual orientation and gender identity. An employer who fires an individual merely for being gay or transgender violates Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, concluded Gorsuch, joined by, again, the four liberal Democrat appointees, as well as Chief Justice Roberts. Or Justice Roberts. So how about that? Now we know, according to the Supreme Court, that gender and sex are indeed not separate things. 
as the Rainbow Jihad lobby has indicated for so many years. But either way, this ruling is absurd beyond belief. Let's highlight the absurdity. This comes from Justice Samuel Alito's dissent, written by Alito, but joined by Thomas. These are the relevant paragraphs. The court tries to convince readers that it is merely enforcing the terms of the statute, but that is preposterous. Even as understood today, the concept of discrimination because of sex is different from discrimination because of sexual orientation or gender identity. And in any event, our duty is to interpret statutory terms to mean what they conveyed to reasonable people at the time they were written. Um, Scalia Garner Reading Law, the interpretation of legal Texas, uh, says if every single living American had been surveyed in 1964, it would have been hard to find anyone who thought that discrimination because of sex meant discrimination because of sexual orientation. Not to mention gender identity, a concept that was essentially unknown at the time. The court attempts to pass off its decision as the inevitable product of the textualist school of statutory interpretation championed by our late colleague Justice Scalia. But no one should be fooled. The court's opinion is like a pirate ship. It sails under a textualist flag, but what it actually represents is a theory of statutory interpretation that Justice Scalia excoriated the theory that courts should update old statutes so that they better reflect the current values of society. End quote. Justice Alito is obviously correct, along with Justice Thomas. Essentially, the Constitution is always, and the Supreme Court's mission has always been, to protect the Constitution as it was written, not to update it according to the times. What Roberts and Gorsuch, who were supposed to be conservative originalists, textualists, what they have done here in joining with the four liberals on the court, have said, we are the new founding fathers of America. We are changing the Constitution written by the founders, written by the framers. We're changing it and rewriting it based on how we see it in 2020, which is absolutely 100% not their job it's not their purview they don't have the right to rewrite the constitution based on 2020 new political and societal norms they do not have the right to do that and that's exactly what they did and it's exactly what alito and thomas called them out over retroactively adding novel concepts to a 1964 bill Novel concepts that would have repulsed every single member who voted for that act, including black civil rights leaders, is it's preposterous. The Civil Rights Act was intended to protect people from discrimination based on what they look like in terms of color of skin and what sex they are, male or female. In other words, females couldn't be denied any opportunities that were granted to males. That's it. And now... These new ju- these justices have rewritten the Constitution to say it's not just sex, but what's in your head right now. Whatever's in your head is how we'll judge whether or not you've been discriminated against. Psychological condition 
notwithstanding. Psychological therapy being required or needed, notwithstanding. But now we are going to simply apply discrimination laws based on what's in someone's head or at least what they say is in their head about what they feel like. Elections were supposed to have consequences. Apparently they don't because the elections of Bush and now Trump have not helped the originalists make their case. The consequences are they're liberals. We'll be right back. Just when you thought 2020 couldn't get any worse, right? Chinese coronavirus unleashed upon the world. Economy that was just just going great guns. Sorry if that triggers any... Oh, sorry if the word triggers triggers any of you uh, gun control nuts. Uh, but we got the Chinese coronavirus. Then we've got the George Floyd situation leading to massive racial uh, division in this country. Assaults and attacks on police officers, the likes of which you've never seen before. Assaults and attacks on people for being white simply because their ancestors or their ancestors' friends or somebody else may have done things 400 years ago that apparently are still causing problems today. Uh, All of this extraordinary unrest in 2020 now added to by the Supreme Court, which has just decided that how you feel in your head, or at least how you tell somebody you feel in your head, um, means that uh, a business has no choice but to hire you, to keep you on, even if you violate their most sacrosanct of beliefs. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, we, of course, are talking about religious institutions. Religion is under extreme assault right now. More specifically, Christianity is going to bear the brunt of this. Understand that. Christianity is what's really under attack here. Because you know, as well as I do, now that this Supreme Court ruling has been handed down, Title VII protecting people from discrimination in the workplace based on their idea of what they think they are, and what and who they go home to at night even even if a religious institution and employer makes it very clear this is who we are and what we believe and we cannot have men dressing as women and teaching our children in our catholic school we cannot have uh, a man bringing his male spouse to an all school function when we are teaching biblical principles about a man and a woman marriage defined by a man and a woman even though those things might be known well ahead of time you know doggone well that there are going to be activists trans activists and lgbtq gay activists who are going to be applying for jobs at every religious institution they can find and when they're not hired they're going to file lawsuits in the name of title seven as recognized by the supreme court and they're going to charge the school or the religious institution with discrimination because they are trying to wipe out religion in America. Make no mistake about it. And as if that isn't bad enough, by the way, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes here with David Cortland, attorney representing Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, as if that's not bad enough, the assault on our officers has taken a new twist. As we head into the bottom of the hour break here, we've seen them shot at. We've seen them beaten. We've seen them run over with cars. Now, they're trying to poison them. That's right. 
They're trying to poison police officers in New York. Yesterday, three police officers having a meal at a Shake Shack location on Broadway discovered something very strange about the taste of their milkshakes. They discovered a toxic substance believed to be bleach added to their milkshakes. They have all been hospitalized. They're poisoning cops now. Cops can't go out and have a decent meal without fear of, 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 of lunatics, radical anarchists, fueled by the hate police mob, the defund the police mob, etc., advanced by Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Cops cannot do anything anywhere publicly without being assaulted. This is what's happened to the United States of America. The rule of law is completely out the window because of far-left activists. Like I said, 2020 just keeps getting better, doesn't it? 9.30, we'll get some news on the flip side of the news. We'll get back into the Supreme Court yesterday, essentially rewriting the Constitution with a 2020 modern twist to it. And guess who was responsible for it? Not just the four liberals, but John Roberts and Neil Gorsuch. Elections were supposed to have consequences. We'll talk about it next with ADF on 1420 The Answer. Okay, 936 now. We continue on AM 1420 The Answer. Thanks again for being with us. So, um... Let's dive into this. The Supreme Court of the United States yesterday deciding that sex does not mean man and woman, male and female, as recognized throughout history by biology, by human anatomy, by physiology, by chromosomal science. It's a feeling. It just depends on how you feel in your head, or at least how you can say that you feel in your head. And if you uh, lose a job or are denied a job based upon that feeling, you now can sue Uh, the employer or the institution for discrimination. Joining us now is David Cortman, Senior Counsel and Vice President of U.S. Litigation with Alliance Defending Freedom, an extraordinarily important organization we have worked for and partnered with uh, many times in the past here on this program and throughout Salem Media. Uh, David, thank you so much for your time this morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Very, very discouraged, however, because it is my fervent belief that religion in the United States, particularly Christianity more so than other religions, uh, are about to face an assault like they have never seen before. Uh, My fear, and I'm sure you understand, is that there are going to be scores of trans and or LGBTQ gay or lesbian people flocking to religious institutions and applying for jobs. And when they get denied those jobs, filing lawsuits based on Title VII as ruled yesterday by the Supreme Court for discrimination. Uh, it's the same reason they all flocked to Masterpiece Cakes to have their cakes made, even though they knew what Masterpiece Cakes' policy was. They're going to try to destroy religious institutions. Am I reading too much into that? Am I going too far, David? No, I think that definitely is the next step. In fact, if you look at this particular case, uh, this funeral home was a ministry that existed for uh, about 100 years, um, serving all the grieving people up in the area in Michigan. And what's interesting is, is, is this gentleman worked for the funeral home for, for about seven years. For those who don't years. know, David, if I may, I apologize. I didn't really mm-hmm. set the table sure. here very well. Tell everybody about the, your client, uh, Harris Funeral Homes, and what happened in this case, just so they have a backdrop of what the Supreme Court ruled on. 
Yeah, a- absolutely. And so this this family has been running this funeral home for 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 about a hundred years, uh, ministering to the grieving folks around Michigan in the area where they were. And and this gentleman worked for them for about seven years. They had a great relationship. He was one of their funeral directors, and that's the person who's out front with the grieving families. And one of the ideas is to kind of blend in, right? Because it's not about the funeral home; it's about the grieving family. So they had a dress code policy that he agreed to that men wear dark black suits and women wear dark dresses and he agreed to abide by that one day he comes in and says i'm transitioning to a woman and i'm going to come to work dressing like a woman and they said no we can't have that you agreed to our dress code and 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 so his employment ended he sued based on the eeoc came after him equal employment opportunity commission a government agency and the aclu and here's where we ended up with the decision yesterday. So that's kind of the background that you can see, even though this is a Christian business owner, and even though the person agreed to the policy, uh, this is where we ended up yesterday as a result. So the funeral home, uh, the owner of the funeral home is uh, Tom, uh, and I apologize, Rust. Tom, I'm sorry? Rust. Tom Rust. Tom Rust, the owner of Harris Funeral Homes, basically said, look, we can't have you as a guy coming in here dressed as a woman and trying to tend to the gr- the needs of the grieving families who are trying to say goodbye to their loved one because you're going to create, whether you believe it or not, you're going to create a very serious distraction here for them. Uh, so that's why we have this dress code. And this individual, rather than understanding that, said, too bad, I'm dressing as a woman, and if you fire me, I'm going to file a lawsuit. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, the Supreme Court, tell me what the Supreme Court's thinking was here and as the majority wrote essentially that uh this is you know this is about uh reclassifying sex in the 1964 civil rights act as being sexual identity or sexual orientation yeah it's really incredible because the the bottom line is is that if there's going to be a change in the law the legislature has to do it. That's pretty much the way our system works. And so mm-hmm. people talk about legislating from the bench, which the court shouldn't be doing, but that's exactly what they did here. The reason was, it, it, the way you interpret a, a law is, at the time it was written here, like you mentioned, in 1964, what did these ordinary words mean? Transgender status, sex orientation wasn't around then, um, and like it is now. And so when it, when it said sex, everybody knew it meant biological sex, man and or a woman. And so now what they did is they go, you know, fast forward almost 60 years, and they're changing the statute retroactively to, to what it didn't mean, what no one thought it meant to say, well, now, now it has this meaning, and that's certain that something should be left for Congress and, and not the courts. Yeah, well, and Justice Alito in his dissent said this, there is only one word for what the court has done today, legislation. The document that the court releases is in the form of a judicial opinion interpreting a statute, but that is deceptive. They are doing it, what you just said. They're doing what the, the Congress should do. The Congress makes the laws. The Congress made the 1964 law, and they did so, as you said, with 1964 um, understandings of what sex means. So essentially, if, w- if what they can do here is rewrite that law from the bench uh, in the Supreme Court, what else can they rewrite? How much unchecked power does this give the judicial branch, which is supposed to interpret law and interpret the Constitution, not rewrite it? How much more damage can they do? Well, I mean, that's that's the big worry. So you, you may be on different sides of the issue, and you may have different opinions. You may celebrate the opinion. You may not. But the point is is that. Do we want the courts 
to be able to rewrite what the, 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 the people's representative have already done. And that's the worry, because Americans have to be able to rely on what the law says, not something that's going to change each time they go to a different court across the country. And I think that's the biggest danger here. If they can rewrite this law that's been in existence for nearly 60 years uh, unquestioned, then, then anything is open to new judicial interpretation, and that should worry everyone regardless of, of your views on this or any other topic. We are talking with David Cortman. He is the senior counsel and vice president of U.S. Litig- litigation with Alliance Defending Freedoms. And in, in, in my view, too, I've taken this further. I feel like what the Supreme Court has done here is they have essentially rewritten the Constitution. The Constitution is what uh, declares our um, uh, three separate co-equal branches of, of, uh, of government. They are the ones who say that legislators must legislate and that the Supreme Court or the court in general, judges in general, are not supposed to legislate. They're only supposed to interpret law. I- essentially, what they're saying is the Framers got it wrong. The the founders of this country got it wrong. And what they have said about separate powers, uh, not so much in modern day. We can can change that to fit our current societal norms. That's essentially what they've done here is told the founders they didn't know what they were doing. And, and and what's what's even more worrisome to me is 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 one of the interesting things as you mentioned Justice Alito's dissent. Uh, there was another judge in the Seventh Circuit, which is Indiana area, that basically said, "Look, I'm judges should at least admit it if they're going to rewrite the law, right? You don't want to make believe you're not doing it. Just say, hey, we don't like this result. We're rewriting the law." And that's what he said. He said they didn't even admit they were doing so. They tried to put it under the guise of, "Well, we're just interpreting what it said," and it was a tortured opinion. The way that you get to sex meaning man and woman now all of a sudden means transgender status or sexual orientation, which which is really difficult to, to, to agree with. It, it just becomes this way of making believe you're following what the law says, and yet you come to this new... Um, you know, result uh, that that they want today. So I think that is, in, in addition to what you're talking about, of the separation of powers, the different branches of government. I think it's worrisome because if you could if you could make believe you're doing that, then then I think nothing's safe. Let me offer another quote here, David, from uh, Justice Alito's dissent, and get your opinion on this. Um, healthcare healthcare benefits may emerge as an intense battleground. Under the court's holding, transgender employees have brought suit under Title VII to challenge employer-provided health insurance plans that do not cover costly sex reassignment surgery. Similar claims have been brought under the Affordable Care Act, which broadly prohibits sex discrimination in the provision of health care. Such claims present difficulty... Uh, or excuse me, present difficult religious liberty issues where I started our conversation because some employers and healthcare providers have strong religious objections to sex reassignment surgeries and therefore requiring them to pay for or perform those procedures will have a severe impact on their ability to honor their deeply held religious beliefs. Your thoughts? Yeah, exactly right. And what's interesting, I was just reading an article this morning um, saying that the LGBT groups are already going to start fighting for that health care, uh, for that coverage that's objected to by a lot of folks of different religions or no religion. And so that is the next battleground. And that's the interesting about this opinion. It, it's not only taking care of that one area, but it's going to open this Pandora's box to, just like you were talking about, health care rights for, for transgender surgery, um, for sports. We've heard around the country where uh, there's, there's that athletics up in the Northeast where, where young girls are losing scholarships and opportunities and victories because young men who are now identifying as girls are taking all their victories and their titles. Or, or homeless shelters where women's only homeless shelters who have been battered and, 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 and abused, now they want to insist that men, biological men, can sleep next to them. So there's so many issues, as you mentioned, in the health care and these other circumstances uh, that are going to create issues all over the country. 
Back, back to just the and you're right about the sports. I've covered that. In fact, just yesterday I had a. Um, uh, had a uh, representative on here from the state of Ohio who's got a Save Women's Sports Act uh, in front of the General Assembly. They're trying to get out and, and to try to stop um, schools from allowing biological males to compete as biological females. So that's a big deal. But but I think even bigger here is just the general attack on religion and, again, specifically uh, on Christianity. We've all seen the Little Sisters of the Poor being forced, or at least uh, they attempted to force them to provide coverage, health care coverage, which includes paying for abortifacients. Uh, you know, in other words, uh, again, in strict violation, or rather in violation of strictly, strict and deeply held religious biblical beliefs, um, the Little Sisters of the Poor were ordered to do that. Uh, now we're talking about transgender surgery. Now we're talking about all kinds of other things. And it's not just the religion and the religious institutions. It's the taxpayers who have a certain belief as well, who now are going to be forced to pay for these things. Under the Affordable Care Act and the health care provision against discrimination, uh, if somebody wants to transition from male to female or female to male, and their employer covers it and their employer uh, receives any tax dollars whatsoever, we are all forced essentially to do something that is against our beliefs, if that is our religious, uh, religious belief. Yeah, I think that's right. And and we've already seen that in these instances, the left is not afraid to go after religious institutions or religious organizations, uh, whether they be, you know, universities, well, they're encouraged colleges. To. Not, not, not even not afraid to. They're encouraged to, right? I mean, this is the goal. Again, they, they went after Jack Phillips because they knew what his policy was. And even after the Supreme Court decision, they came back at him and said, hey, we want you to do a gender reveal thing here. Or, or I think it was a gender reveal cake or something like that for, uh, for, for uh, you know, a same-sex couple or something like that. I can't even remember what it is now, but they keep coming after them because they know that they have religious principles and their attempt is to destroy established religion. At least that's how I see it. Yeah, I think it's right. It's no longer just, you know, we want acceptance. We want complicity. We want participation. We want we want activity from you. And I think that's the part, too, because we've heard for years, you know, we hear so much about tolerance, which is obviously a two-way street, but it doesn't work that way. Um, you, only, you know, they only tolerate who agrees with them. So I think that's right. They're going to actively go after religious organizations. They're going to keep pushing their agenda until people are forced to either um, com- comply or whatever it happens to be, lose the tax benefits, lose any, you know, lose any type of status uh, for their nonprofit organizations. But it's, it's definitely already started. I can't say it's coming because it's already here. And I think we're going to see much more of that. Um, David, last thing, uh, a couple more bullet points here from ADF and from uh, Alliance Defending Freedom statement on this. Troubling implications, including redefining sex to mean gender identity, creating chaos with widespread consequences for everyone. One, it undermines dignity, privacy, and equal opportunities for women. Their privacy is now going to be gone. Number two, it could compel professionals from all walks of life to refer to colleagues with pronouns that don't exist, things like XE or X or this or that or the other, and other sex-specific terms, uh, according to gender identity rather than biology. And it puts employers, number three, like Tom, your client, in difficult positions requiring them to treat men who believe themselves to be women uh, as if they are, in fact, women, even though that results in violating the bodily privacy rights of other employees. Think restrooms, think showers, think of other facilities that might be uh, now intersex. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, this, 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 this opens so many, creates so many problems for folks um, in all those different areas. And I think that the, the, the big thing is what's interesting about this, if you kind of back up into the, you know, the original meaning for Title VII, 
it was to protect women in the workplace, to give them more rights. And what's going to happen is the inverse is going to happen now. We're actually going to be violating women's rights because we talk about, you know, restrooms and showers, and, and that's been happening in the, in the high schools. We talked about all these different issues about shelters. So, so this law that was originally in to help women is actually going to be harming women in all those ways that you mentioned. That is such an important point. That is such an important point. And where are the feminist groups battling on behalf of women that they used to? And now they find themselves in the uh, very strange and unique position of arguing on behalf of transgender rights and this particular Supreme Court outcome, uh, even though it does indeed harm women, which they were supposedly uh, aiming to help. Um, David Cortland, Senior Counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, It's over, right? I mean, where do we go from here? This is Supreme Court. There's, now no, there's keep, nowhere else to appeal to. Yeah, we, we keep fighting. No matter what happens, we just keep fighting for what's right. Well, David, thank you for fighting for this particular uh, cause. Uh, it's extraordinarily important, and obviously there will be other cases as well, and we know that ADF will be on the scene. Thank you so very much. All right, thanks for having me. David Corlin, Senior uh, Counsel and Vice President of U.S. Litigation. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is the thing. You know, this is, this is over, at least in this regard. This is the Supreme Court. There's no appeal to another court. This is as high as it gets. Gorsuch and Roberts, two supposedly conservative originalists, stabbed religion in the back. And I guess we shouldn't be surprised by Roberts, who in the Obergefell decision, essentially wrote marriage into the Constitution where it had never existed before. And Roberts, also the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, despite the Obama administration arguing that costs for Obamacare were not a tax but a fee, said, no, you're wrong, it's a tax. He changed their own argument so he could give them the win and legalize uh, uh, and make constitutional uh, the Affordable Care Act. Talk about an activist wearing a robe, and he's the guy appointed by a Republican. There is no conservative majority on the court. As we just found out yesterday, depending on the day, there's a 6-3 majority for the liberals. We'll be right back. Justice Alito's dissent included the following briefs filed by a wide range of Christian groups, or religion, excuse me, religious groups, Christian, Jewish, and Muslim express deep concern that the position now adopted by the court will trigger open conflict with faith-based employment uh, of numerous churches, synagogues, mosques, and other religious institutions. They argue that religious institutions need employees who actually live the faith, and that compelling a religious organization to employ individuals whose conduct flouts the tenets of the organization's faith forces the group to communicate an objectionable message. The problem is perhaps most acute when it comes to the employment of teachers. 100% correct. Can you imagine sending your child to your Catholic school, Christian school, Jewish school, or whatever, and expecting them to be taught biblical principles, and then in comes at the head of the room a guy, full beard, dressed as a woman, who says, you can call me X, uh, you know, Jones, or whatever, not Mr. or Mrs., but X, or some strange uh, pronoun. Think about what this does to religious education, religious institutions as a whole. Eric is in um, Kirtland. Let's take Eric on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Eric. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Bob. Uh, just to dovetail in with the attack on the Constitution, I have to share with you the insulting notice I got in my property tax bill. Oh, boy. Slowly expected to get the bill. It's going to come. 
and it basically says, the Ohio Revised Code sets forth the rules of real estate tax collections, and all county treasurers are duly sworn to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the state of Ohio. Then it goes on to say, basically, even though your government put you out of work, you have no choice but to pay your property taxes. I just wow. love how they use the cloak of the Constitution <laughs> to pull all this other garbage and attack us, and then they use it as a shroud to protect their holier than thou collection attitudes. That it is that is insane. Not last night. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't blame you because again, and and thanks for the call, Eric. But no, you're 100 percent right. The government forced you out of work by making these decisions, and then said, with your no your non paycheck that you're not getting anymore, you still have to pay your property taxes on time or face penalties. Insanity. Uh, thank you, Eric. Uh, George in Brexville next. Hi, George. Go ahead. George, are you there? Yes. Yes, Bob. Okay. Go ahead, sir. Just a few words. I, uh, 60 years ago, I came from a communist country into this land of milk and honey. And am I disappointed now? Bob, I'm moving back to my original country. I just can't take it anymore. You're leaving the country? It is unreal what's going on in this world. This country has changed 190 degrees. George, that is a very, very profound statement, Um, uh, and thank you for your phone call, and I'm so sorry to hear what you just said. George is saying he's going back to the country he came from because the country he finds himself in now is not the country that he emigrated to. Think about the profound statement that that makes. Telling immigrants, essentially, around the world, don't bother. The American dream that you once saw and sought doesn't exist because America is not America anymore. And with these decisions made by the highest court in the land and with what is going on with government officials all over this country playing to race race mobs, that's right, race mobs, and allowing mobs to dictate law and order or lack thereof, it really isn't the same America now, is it? We'll talk more uh, coming up after the news. Kirsten and I will join us, too, on AM4. 